And I put that in my head that I didn't want that. I was going to be the person to break it. So for me to break it, how could I be in a relationship like that? And he's bringing in a child so early in the game. And like I said, I'm 20 something. I'm still trying to figure out who I am, where I'm going in life. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a kid. Welcome to the Wild D Podcast, where our primary goal is to keep you informed and to be your central point of contact for what's happening around us. Anytime we get a chance, we like to give you something to think about. So if you're new to the show, we cover a wide range of topics from society to sobriety, from the culture to the vultures, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. And today's discussion is part two of Step by Step, and as promised, I have a special invited guest. That's right, Mrs. Finn joins us to further the conversation about me bringing the child into our relationship and why she wasn't going for it. We talk about a lot, so strap in. But before we do that, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for your support, feedback, and ratings. Now let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I am excited. It's a new day. I'm going to go with it. This is part two of Step by Step. I'm excited because in order for us to do part two, obviously it's it's an addition. It's like a plus one to the episode. And guess what? I have a plus one with me. But before I get to that, Joe, what's up, man? Hey, hey, man. How you doing? Everything is good. Everything is good. You know, like, I don't know if you can, you can tell right now. I'm pretty sure the listeners can, but I'm talking with a smile on my face. And the reason why is because the light of my life is right next to me. Oh, man. Say what's up to the people. Hello, everybody. I am Mrs. Finn, also known as Meech. Um, You can call me Meechers. We'll decide I have many names, so we'll go from there. All right, so, yeah, we wanted to continue the conversation, and I felt like it was important because... And part one is step by step. We talked about, um, I shared my story with, with you and, and obviously I like to joke around a lot. And, um, there was one ex- extreme example where I, I was actually uh, away and came back. And then I talked about how I messed up and, um, unfortunately I had a child on the way because of it. And you took it to extreme lengths to, pretty much say, hey, okay, look, we can't do this, that our relationship had to end. And I, I felt like since I dragged you into the conversation, it wasn't fair to just say that about you and 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 talk about that experience without having you come in and then share your thoughts on that as well. Cause maybe there's some things that I left out of the I'm known to leave certain parts out of the story so i wanted to give you an opportunity to come in and then clarify that um but but let's hold off on that just just for right now um joe uh before i jump in and i'm not trying to hijack this thing um i did want to give you your opportunity to recap and if there's anything that you wanted to add to that as well no i think i think that's a great place to start um for me I, i think it's critical though that anybody who hears the step by step they understand uh, step by step, the show, the 90s, the, the TGIF, this was a great opportunity for us to leverage things that we're comfortable with to talk about things that we're not comfortable with. So I, I thought it was pretty cool 
um, and then and then having the perspective of Queen Mother Finn, I, I think that's awesome too because I've got questions too. Like I said, when you first told me about um, everything, I was like, "Ooh, that's a dangerous game you're playing there." Uh, so I, I've got my own set of questions. But as far as recap, I, I think it's important that. Um, well, I don't even want to do that first, man. I'm not going to lie. I want us to jump in first and then <laughs> recap at the end because I, 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 I'm curious. All right, cool, cool. Well, so, hey, Meech, if you could, please um, share your perspective on why you pretty much said, hey, look, look, we could be friends, you know, but uh, we cannot be together if you're going to bring in this extra piece into our relationship. Okay, so I, when you first told me that you said that on the podcast, I was like, why would you say that? Like, why would, why would you... So it's going to make me look bad, like, <laughs> I I guess, because, I mean, I have friends that are stepmoms. I have friends that are baby daddies or however you want to say it. But at that time, I was pretty young, let's say early 20s Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he said that. So that's my first response. I was young. And then number two maybe the relationship wasn't meant to be like that because if you are having another child, well, you're having a child period, like you messed up. Maybe we didn't see the relationship like I did or where were we going? That's, and then of course, you know, growing up, you see and hear baby mamas are crazy or my baby daddy don't take care of his kids. So all of that goes through my head. I'm a thinker. Then you also got to think where I was in my life. Was I in school working full time? Was I working two full time jobs? Was I getting a master's working full time? So I didn't want any additional baggage. So I was I was willing to let it go so I can move forward in my life. So that was pretty much if I had to go back, let's say, let's say it was 15 years ago. And I got to put myself in that 20-something-year-old's thought process. Like, you can't instantly make me a, a mom all of a sudden, even though that's a whole different dynamic. Like, I'm not this child's mom, but I know you are taking care of your child, so the child's going to be over there. What does that mean for me? Fun. And all of that was was a a fictitious child anyway. I guess <laughs> you're just, I don't know if it was a test or you were just joking around. What, what, what do you think your intention was when you, you told me that? Um, like I said, I like to keep things fun. So there was a great opportunity for me to just see how, how you viewed me with, some flaws and all right so I, I felt like you told me previously that if that was to happen that um, you wouldn't be in a relationship with me and I felt like okay I've done some things to strengthen our relationship now let's put what you just said to the test and when I came back I came back to try to put it to the test and um you know you you uh pretty much looked at me in the eye and, and you said uh no uh, <laughs> it's not going to go and then 
you proceeded to not look at me in the eye anymore to say, okay, I'm done. Why are you still here? So, um, <laughs> I, I learned from that, uh, but I feel like, I mean, it was fun while I was saying it. I, it was a good idea in my head, but I'm glad that it was all a joke anyway, or, you know, it, it wasn't real, but, um, I, I felt like I needed to give you the opportunity to clarify or not really clarify, but just share. Uh, what your thought process was. Joel, I'm pretty sure you have many questions. I have a question I, uh -oh. before he starts. Oh, yeah, go ahead. What would you have said if the tables were turned and you came back and I said, I messed up and I now have a baby on the way? Oof. Man, who, where you at? You know, <laughs> show, show them to me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, like, shoot, but I always told you, you know, I think differently and I'm pretty sure everybody that knows me would say the same. I told you that at that point in time in my life that I was not even thinking about marriage. I did not want to get married until I was 50 years old. That was my mindset. And I was like, I want you to go ahead, get a relationship. You get married, you have your kids, but you better let him know whoever he is. When I'm 50, I'm coming back. And I don't care what the situation was. That's just how my mind was at the time. And I, I know we're talking about step by step, but that's real. And you know that. Tell everybody I'm not, I'm not making it up. That's true. Yes, he did say he was going to get married at 50. And I responded, not to me. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. So we broke it in half. We got married at 25. Yep, that's true. Yep. All right, cool, Joel, man. All right, all right we, we hijacked enough. I'm pretty no, sure that's... there's more entertaining stories that we could share, but I, I did want to give you the opportunity to have any questions. Uh, and then you pretty much take the lead on this one. So, Meech, first off, I got to say I'm impressed because, in my experience, when you're in a relationship, it's very difficult once you kind of start investing into a person to be able to take such a hard stance and be like, you know what? I'm good on that. I'm gonna go ahead and step over here to the left. No hard feelings. I don't dislike you, but this ain't what it's supposed to be. So my first question is, where did that strength come from to be able to walk away? Because I'm going, I'm going to assume, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but there was some investment from you emotionally into the situation. So where did that strength come from to be like, you know what, this ain't what I want. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna exit. Um, I would say, I don't really know where it came from, but I've always been like that. Strong on what I want, go get it. If you in the way, you gotta go. I've always been that way. Um, I grew up Around my grandmother, I was the golden grandchild. I, my grandmother had 15 kids. So you can imagine how many cousins I had. But I was the, the little kid. I was probably the youngest because my mom's the youngest of the 15 kids. So I was always around my grandma and she always pushed me and told me to stay in school and I'm going to be something great. And thinking about that, of course, obstacles are going to come your way and you have to decide how you're going to handle them. So if there's any distraction, 
if there's any baggage that I can't add on to my, I don't want to be the bag lady because his baggage was about to become mine at that point. So, and plus I already told him and I was like, look at the relationship where maybe we didn't, we didn't define it. So that's what I say my answer would be. Well, that's, I, again, I think that's amazing because um, as I've talked about uh, with, with Finn here and then just even on, on episodes, I spent seven years, eight years, seven, eight-ish years in a relationship with a woman I didn't like. And it was because I fell in love with her daughter who was not my biological daughter. And I wound up taking on that responsibility because I was afraid that if I stepped away based off of what her mom was doing and was about her mom, her mom, I was like, the generational curse is real and this baby doesn't deserve that. But I wasn't strong enough to be like, Joel, this isn't your child. Legally, you have no rights here. Your say doesn't matter in the grand scheme. The minute you are at the point where you have a relationship that you want to pursue, a person that you want to pursue, she can pull the, the rug out from up under your feet. And I wish I had that same courage and strength to just walk away at that time, but I didn't. So that's why I asked that question. Second question I have for you is when, when, when Finn first posed this scenario to you, was your first thought, you're joking, this is this is fake. This ain't real. Or was it? Oh, uh, you done messed up. I actually thought he was joking, and but I still gave a realistic response, whether he was joking or not. I just still wanted to make myself clear. Um, but something you just said about generational curses that triggered me to think. Also, my mom was never married to my dad or to my sister's dad. So I grew up in a single mom household and I had aunts, cousins that were not married and they had children. And I put that in my head that I didn't want that. I was going to be the person to break it. So for me to break it, how could I be in a relationship like that? And he's bringing in a child so early in the game, and like I said, I'm 20-something. I'm still trying to figure out who I am, where I'm going in life, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's a kid. Yours, not mine. I, I, I get that. Well, uh, and, and so here, here again, I think this is important for people to hear because unfortunately, and again, I'm speaking to Joel here, we get in situations that we probably shouldn't be in we got every red flag that we need to make an informed decision and walk away. But for whatever reason, we stay. And generally it's because, well, again, for Joe, it was, are you doing the right thing? What about this? What about, I was trying to weigh everything associated. And it, it's funny because I'm a middle child. And I think that being a middle child, it made me be that person that weighs everything. I looked at what my brother, who's older, did, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I looked at my younger sister and was like, oh, she's, she's, she's being spoiled, being coddled. Mom lets her get away with whatever. And I didn't want to go either route. So in terms of finding my neck, my relationship, whatever that was going to be, 
I did, I never had a true foundation or perspective on what that would look like. And, and I mentioned this in, in the first part of that, but I actually was trying to make justifications because I initially said I would never date a woman with kids. And then I started trying to convince myself that I was wrong for that. I was like, well, you got a mom. She, same situation, my older brother, myself and my sister, we all have different fathers. She was married to my sister's father, but that's it. So it's like, who are you going to be based off of what you saw? Are you going to hold people accountable to a standard? Or by doing that, are you somehow saying something negative about your own mother? So I put myself in a position based on that where I was willing to accept a situation like you guys were, were kind of discussing as a scenario. I made that my real life and lost a good seven years. My relationship with my current wife, that almost didn't happen as a result because of the vindictive nature of the person that I was with previous. So I, I think it's super important to talk about this because we might be saving somebody's life, to be quite honest. I had fixed my mind and said, this isn't what I want, but if it means this child is going to have a, a, an opportunity to be something more than what they are, I guess I got to stay. So kudos to you for that. And, and wherever that fortitude came from, that's awesome because I did not have it. And I am super jealous about that. Well, I think if this was a scenario when, say, I was in my 30s, I don't necessarily know if I would have had that same reaction. Probably so if we were together and then he had a, um, a baby, it probably would still be the same reaction. But to say that I wouldn't date someone if they had a child in my 30s, it would it would not give me too many options is from what I'm <laughs> at this point, what I'm seeing. So, um, they always say, you know, don't settle, but then they also tell you not to be too picky. Yeah. But you should also know what you, you stand for and what's a deal breaker. Um, sometimes deal breakers change depending on your situation and your growth, but if that's something that you know you're not comfortable with or it's going to cost you a lot of pain, should you go forward with it? That's an interesting thought. So I, I have a question for both of y'all now, and I'll, I'll actually lead off with my, my response to this, but do you guys or have you had a conversation about what those deal breakers are in your marriage? As a, for instance, my wife and I, I, we've not really talked about deal breakers, meaning I think it's all the stuff that's assumed, but not a real conversation. Like if my wife were to cheat on me, how would I feel about that in real life? Would I stay? Would I accept it? What would I really do? Have you guys had that type of a conversation? Interesting question. I'll tell you this. We've moved a lot and, and I shared that in, in my um, story and in previous episodes, we moved a lot. And that gave us the opportunity, especially during the pandemic and like, why do we have some of this stuff like to, to go through and see like what we have. We found a a premarital counseling journal and I had to write down like my my like things that I will not go for in the marriage and like, this is what has to happen, 
right? <laughs> oh my goodness. And it, it's good to see that because remember I said something about how we're not there in, a, in our teenage years as far as how we're growing in our relationship. But I'm telling you, I was thinking like a teenager when I look at some of the stuff that was in that journal. While you may have deal breakers, I understand from a moral standpoint, you going into a situation that you have no experience with, if you try to say and dictate how it's going to go, it's like predicting the future. All right. So there, there has to be some type of balance of knowing what you want, but also living up to what you want. And, and that's what I got from it. So when I think about it from a deal breaker standpoint, I feel like me and my wife, we are very close. We talk about a lot. We, we look at external situations and then we make them internal and, and just to understand like how to navigate through some of those situations. But we know that there's also a place where we're not trying to hurt each other. And as long as we make decisions with the other person in mind, then it, it's not really focused towards the deal breaker. It's, it's making our deal stronger. And that's the way that I focus on it. But um, to say there's like hard lines, <laughs> I feel like that's the main reason why there's a lot of relationships that aren't together right now, because it's like they have too many rules. Um, maybe that's a, for a different topic. Right. But I, I do feel like a lot of people say, I have my rules and you know, you can't do this. You know, you shouldn't do that. This shouldn't happen to me. And when you put too many like boundaries up against people, then it's going to be some point in time where they have to break free or go crazy a little bit, go outside the box. And so I, I try not to do that, but, um, I think we keep that open line of communication. Now that is my perspective. I still want to give you an opportunity to answer that. I would say I agree with what he said. Um, yeah, when we found those journals, we actually laughed at him. Like, I can't believe that, you know, we wrote that or, or we tried to say, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. It's pretty much like, okay, am, am I your parent or am I your spouse? So I think that goes into a matter of, we were looking at it like, okay, this is my wife or this is my husband and I'm going to control what he does. But like he said, we have to grow together and we had to learn to talk things out or just have an open communication. But as far as, I mean, everybody knows that what they made a vow to do. So do we have to talk about that? Interesting. So, I, there's a um, an, uh, there's a podcaster that um, I reference from time to time, and Finn is is familiar. Uh, a gentleman named the Hood Nerd, and he made a comment that I was like, "That is interesting. I never thought about it like that." He said, "In his marriage, there are only two things that are deal breakers. One is he's not taking care of any other man's child, and don't bring him home something that he can't cure in terms of." Uh, disease. And I had to sit on that for a minute because I was like, well, would I respond similarly? Would, am, am I comfortable enough to say, I don't care 
when my wife wants to go on a girl's trip with her friends and she wants to be gone for, let's say it's a week, am I so self-conscious that I'm concerned that something may happen? Or do I just trust that nothing will happen? Or third option, if something does happen, I wouldn't know anyway, unless one of these two things were the outcome. And it, it made me do that, take that introspective look to what you said, like, hey, we're adults. You made a commitment. We understand what a commitment is. And in any other circumstance, you get a car, you take out a loan. We don't have to have a bunch of conversations about the terms of that agreement. Mm -hmm. I pay it, I keep the car. I don't pay it, you're going to come get the car. The only time we really do that is in relationships. And I thought it was so weird that, again, we evolve daily. We grow, we change, we shift. The, the way the wind is blowing can control our mood. How do I, at whenever my age is that I got married, and I got married older because I was totally incapable of being a proper spouse when I was younger. So I'm so grateful that I waited. Um, but how do we control expectations, understanding that we grow, we change, and we evolve? So I love what y'all are saying. And it's so interesting because my wife and I, premarital counseling, we still got the journals. And I looked at everything I was writing. And I'm like, man, all the drama my ex brought into the relationship from the beginning was a clear manifestation for the first, not even the first few months, but I would say around like month six when we knew that there was something special about the connection that we had. And I made it a point to let this situation over here know, hey, we're not together. We don't live in the same place. I had taken on the responsibility like an idiot. I say, we were doing week for week with the child that wasn't mine. So that's how invested I was. But when I knew that it could potentially impact that week for week, I was like, so I found somebody, I'm interested. This is what's happening. This child that is yours and quote unquote mine, I want her to be involved in my situation too. That ended everything. And she came through like a wrecking ball, just like Miley Cyrus and tried her best. And everything that I looked at in that journal for like day after day after day was me talking about how had it impacted my current wife in our interactions and the way she felt and the way she thought about me. And it was such a challenging time because I was like, I felt like I spent so much time trying to convince her that number one, what was being said, majority of it, if not every single bit of it was a lie. But that number two, I was trying to prove that my character was not what it was being made out to be. And I regretted it a little bit later. And I felt like I even had a little bit of resentment as a result because I'm like, man, I'm so busy trying to convince you that I stepped outside of myself to make sure that you knew that this was a lie. So again, when you look at where I was at this point, where I am today, and how those changes impact the way I think, I just wish that I was stronger early on, even dealing in the relationship before the one with my wife, because a lot of these things wouldn't have happened. So, and I know that we completely went left, but here's the tie-in to the topic of step-by-step. As a result of that, it was the first time I can honestly say I experienced depression. When that child was pulled out of my life, um, everything that was a, a symbol of her that was in my home had to be removed. I was sad. I was depressed. 
And I, I looked to my wife as the person to cheer me up and make me better, make me whole. But the reality was, number one, that wasn't her job. Number two, mentally, emotionally, she wasn't in a space where she could authentically do that because she was still hurt by things that had been said and the thoughts she had about me. So here I am now, back in another relationship, raising someone else's child. And I'm like, man, this is crazy that I'm right back in this situation. But again, and, and I feel like I'm talking a whole lot here, but this really resonates with me because this is my actual experience. The only thing that differentiated, well, there was a lot of things, but the main thing that was the differentiator between my wife and my ex was, it was clear that my wife would never put me in a similar situation, whether we were together or not, whether we had a child or not, whether it was her child or not. She would never use that as a pawn over me. And that showed me a level of character that she had even though I felt like because of the impacts of the things that had been said, we weren't really on the level we should have been on. There were things that she showed me that gave me confidence. And when I listened to y'all's story, Meech, there are things that you did that probably gave Finn that same type of confidence. Like, hey, she had enough courage to stand her ground. That's the type of person I need with me to walk through this life with. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Finn. Bro, you are telling the truth. Look, that's what I want. Because I know I like I, I take the approach. I have strong opinions loosely held. But sometimes, mm. sometimes I don't show that they're loosely held. And I need somebody to put me in check. The, she has the ability to put me in check. And my wife is tiny, but she can get big, right? <laughs> you know, she can get big. And once she gets big, that lets me know. And I'm like, yes, that's what I need. That that That's what's going to make me a better person. So when I saw her do that, I'm like, well, I mean, I did. I did make this story up. Um, she probably is mad at me. But now I'm going to work extra hard to get in their good graces because that's the person I need to be with right there. I don't need to be with somebody that's going to say, well, we're going to work it out. And then get mad behind my back, you know, <laughs> and do all the little crazy stuff. Uh, she, she stuck true to her gun. She said what she said. And when it was tested, when the test came up, it's like, look, love has nothing to do with this. This is my bottom line. I'm going to go with it and you got to go. And, and that, that put me in check and that made me say, okay, you know what? This is the person I got to be with. I love it. You know, like there's nothing better then when somebody shows you their character or tells you what their character is, and then you see it. So I, I, again, I, I'm, I think that's a great story. It's a great example for people to listen to and understand the value in that. So Meech, I'll come back to you. Hearing everything that I've just said and everything that Finn just said, what are you kind of thinking right now about just the, the concept of not just baby mom and baby dad, but stepmom and stepdad and the challenges associated when you do come out of a bad situation. Where, where are you at kind of right now with all of this that you're hearing? So I had a question for you since you were in such a good relationship from the prior relationship with that child. Do you think that it had a negative impact on your wife's child when you were first in that relationship? Did you, did you hold back or how was that at the beginning? Yes, to answer your question, it was an impact. 
And, and it was an impact because I was still bitter at the fact that this other woman took this child from me that I did everything for. So when I'm now in this situation with this other child, I was like, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. This ain't my kid. I'm not going to trick myself into thinking that it is or believing that it is. If anything happens, I hear what my wife is saying. I don't even know if I can believe that fully, not because of her, but because I had not healed from the other situation. So yeah, it, it was difficult for, for a long time. And there are even still times now where subconsciously, quietly, it'll pop up into my mind like, this situation, you know what? This ain't got nothing to do with me. They can handle that. And then I'm like, but wait a minute. This is your home. This is your house. You're the leader of this household. Anything that leaves out of this house is a representation of you. So I had, I still, even right now, I still struggle with it from time to time and making sure that not only am I doing all the right things by him, but more importantly, doing the right things by me. Joel, I got a question for you. As I think about your your situation and your story, I do agree with you. You know, like I say that with my kids all the time. You know, when you leave the house, you're a representation of me. When I leave the house, I'm a representation of you. If we could rewind just a, a quick second, I, like, I would love to talk about the the dynamic about you, your wife, your bonus child, and the relationship with the child that you and your wife have together. Mm -hmm. Do you see any, any areas where that family dynamic, um, I guess you would say like, I hate to say it, but sometimes parents have their favorites, right? Of course. Right. Of course. Um, and I'm looking at it from my own personal situation. I have a family member where, uh, she, she's in a blended family and, there, there's a child that she had outside of her marriage or prior to her marriage. And I think there's a level of overcompensating with love for this individual. And there's also an opportunity where that could hold him back from future success because of the, the level of overcompensation. And so I want to get real with that because I, I'm, I, I guess I'm really trying to figure out and get some type of advice on how to approach that dynamic. And I, and I was wondering if you had those same type of challenges as well. I, I, I don't want to say it's like a daily challenge, but it's, it's, it's number one is very real. Uh, but with me, it's not a, how do I say this? So my youngest, my four-year-old, number one, she's a girl. Number two, she's four. So being four versus being 13, the challenges with a 13-year-old are way different than a four-year-old. So a four-year-old's always going to seem easier. With a four-year-old, you know, those first four years, what is it? Oh, don't we don't want them sleeping in the, in the bed with us, okay? We don't want to have to go in their room and sleep with them. You know, got to take it to the bed. It's all those little developmental challenges. With a 13-year-old, they're independent. So mm -hmm. the challenges that they bring to the table have consequences. So it's way easier for me to be like, Oh, thank you, four-year-old daughter. You, you make my life so much easier. My 13-year-old, when he does something, it doesn't make my life easy. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's that piece, which is the just the reality of the situation. But then on the other hand, there is the, like I talked about before, when something happens, I never felt comfortable because his father and I, when he was younger, 
I came into his life when he, he had just turned six when I met his mom. Actually, he was five when I met his mom, turned six like uh, a month or so later. But I never felt comfortable disciplining him physically. And Finn, as, as a dude, I don't know if this was your story, but it was definitely something that I recognized. Dudes challenge authority at a certain point. I don't know if it's, and, and the challenge is different. It's a physical challenge. It's a, I'm feeling myself. I don't got a little bigger. I, I can make a muscle and it looks good to me. So I think I might be able to take you. There comes a point when that happens, whether it's with dad, older brother, older cousins and uncle, it's going to happen. It happened for me. I watched it happen with all of my cousins and my brother. And as a result, it always makes me look at him and be like, I wonder if because me and your father, at the time, we never had these conversations because he wasn't comfortable with it. When I would bring it up, he would go ghost on me. So here we are now, seven, seven years later, and I'm looking at your son as he's growing and he's getting bigger now. You know what I mean? His shoulder is about six, seven inches below mine. His dad is 6'3". 240, 250-ish, played football at TSU. So we're talking about a big guy. So the potential is there for his son to be a big guy like him. So how do I make sure that I establish the pecking order early without being physical with a male? Because unfortunately, oftentimes, it's, it's kind of something that you need to have happen. It happened to me. I got chin checked physically by an uncle and it, and it made me respect that pecking order. So again, looking at my daughter, that's never a challenge. Nobody's ever going to tell me I can't discipline her physically if I need to. Nobody's ever going to tell me what I need to do and it matter, matters more than what I think needs to happen. In that case, somebody has a say-so, which means another man has a say-so in my home. And that in itself can cause resentment, especially if there's no relationship with that other parent. Not a best friends. We ain't got to go hang out and go shoot hoops and, and go grill together for family. We ain't got to do that. But just to have a mature enough conversation and an acceptance of what life actually is. And his dad ain't stupid. He understands. He knows what kids do. He knows what boys do. So the fact that he was never comfortable with that was a challenge for me. And it made me, again, feel very, very uncomfortable about the situation I found myself in. So I hope that answers the question. So I have a question since you're talking about that. I know before we were talking about a deal breaker in a marriage, were there any deal breakers in being a stepdad or something your wife told you wasn't going to be good to go with her son? Or because you said you didn't have that conversation with the dad so it had to be a conversation with the other parent I would assume that she had to lay it out that's one part of my question and then a, a, I noticed a lot when people are getting married and then there's a child involved and the person makes a vow to the child that you know I'm going to include you and you are now my child um, I know there's no way to prepare for a kid, you know, like, are you ready? And you're like, there's no way I can be ready. Like, I have three, and I don't think I was ready for any of them. There's no way that you can get ready. So with that, the child's already there. So I don't have any experience with that. The child's already there. The child knows you. You kind of understand the child's personality. You've, you're seeing the child grow. Um, 
what is your approach when it comes to that? Like, how does that work? How do you prepare to, to become from your, your mom's boyfriend to now, okay, I'm officially your stepdad. That's a great question. So yeah, my wife, and this is where I did struggle too with her. I, I, she would say stuff like this. She would be like, this is your house. You know, you are whatever you feel needs to happen. Just do it. You don't need somebody else's permission. And and I thought that was cool of her to say, but I was like, I don't think you understand the dynamic of the way stuff works with men. Um, so while she was very supportive and was very much like, you know, you do what you feel is the right thing to do. As long as we're on the same page, that's all that matters. She always said that, but I wasn't sure of just how true that was because if, if his dad decided he was upset and decided to bring the drama back over here, I don't know what that would have looked like. So as a result, I was like, well, I'm just not going to act this way. I'm not going to do these types of things. If it gets too bad, I'm most definitely, because what's not going to happen as a kid is going to be having me feeling like I got to go hide in the bathroom. That's what's not going to happen. So there were times I did have to hem up and collar up and slam up against walls and push up on the, you know, slide you on up the ceiling to let you know there's some power over here that you don't want to mess with. Um, But I never felt confident that if it turned around, we would have the best outcome. So I figured the best way to handle it is you know what? I don't know exactly how she would handle it. I don't know. I know what she's telling me, but I don't know. There's a wild card. There's a variable that neither one of us can account for. So since I don't want to bring any of that nonsense to the forefront, I'm going to try to be the quote unquote bigger person to handle it this way. In terms of the relationship I have with my 13 year old early on, it was, I was just, I was the new toy. I was fun. I was cool. We, we joked, we laughed, we did whatever. A six, seven, eight-year-old wants to do. As he got older, and even now, the conversations have changed. So now there's no sugarcoating. It's straight up. I'm like, hey, the path that you're on right now, you're on the path to being that scrub dude that people talk about in songs. I'm not. I'm not holding back any punches anymore because I feel like I might have done you a disservice, making it seem like this is okay. And we talked earlier and somebody, I can't remember who it was, mentioned an overcompensation. I believe there's been a significant overcompensation for him from dad, from mom, from me in certain instances, from dad's family, from mom's family, from my family. Everybody wants to make sure that he's okay because we know that the kid is in a difficult situation. And now the conversation is, I asked him one day, (laughs) we actually talked about it today which is crazy. I asked him years ago, like, so what, what do you think about me? What are we? And he's like, you know, you're like, you're like one of my, you're like my best friend and you know, blah, blah, blah. Went on to, to a child's explanation. After we were done, I told him, I was like, well, I, I love that you feel that way, but we're not friends. I am a grown man and I am in your life. I am another example, another role model for you. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to guide you and lead you and be here for questions whatever I can do to assist you to be better that's what I'm here for but we're not friends I don't want you to confuse our relationship with friendship and when we had that conversation I think it kind of messed him up initially because he was like well I thought we were best friends I was like it doesn't stop any of the things we do you want to play video games come on let's play you want to go out here and throw the football let's do it you want to wrestle let's do whatever you want to do I'm not opposed to that but understand that 
this isn't just a situation where you got a buddy at school, you disrespect your buddy at school, y'all might get into a fight. You disrespect me, what's going to happen? And, and when I kind of laid it out like that, I think that helped him to understand. But again, we're talking six, seven years later. And, and my one wish, if I could change anything, is that I was, I was more... I don't want to say dominant or present, but I was more willing to accept the the uh, anticipated consequence by doing what I felt was right in certain instances in terms of discipline. And that's the biggest fail that I think I've had, which now causes me from that overcompensation. Now I feel like I may even lean towards the overcompensation on the other end of going too hard. So it, it's a challenge. It's a day by day journey. I'm learning on the fly. But from, from where we started to where we are now, there's been a lot of growth for both of us, then for mom and for dad and the families associated. No, I love that, Joel. And I think what you're bringing up is uh, you're bringing up a solid point just from the aspect of understanding a relationship. Now, I can tell you that for my child to see me as a friend, it, it kind of feels good that they love you like that and they, they have that bond with you and and for me it would actually hurt me to tell them hey i'm not your friend don't look at me as your friend but that point that you brought up as far as hey you disrespect your friend this is what could possibly happen you disrespect me then it's not the same type of ending right so i think that what you called out was extremely important i want to dig into a key piece from the compensation standpoint because you bring up some really good points where, hey, man, I may have been nice or I may have showered with gifts and not just you, but there, there's other parts going on in that conversation. And I feel like if you want to be real, um, each called it out. Like there's a lot of single parents, single fathers, single mothers, and they're doing that. And then there has to be a turning point. Right. There's a turning point where you're like, OK, you know what? You got to be able to go out there and get it yourself. But because you've trained them to just show up and you're going to automatically feel sorry for them or the world is going to feel sorry for them and shower them or or coddle them. Then it's harder for them to to accept the thought process of um, I got to do this. Yep. Yeah. I got to do this myself. You're not going to help me. You're not going to get it for me. I don't just have to show up anymore. So if we had to, as a, from a community standpoint, because I I really want to focus on the community that I see that's impacted the most from that level of a blended relationship or a single parenthood and overcompensation, I guess, what would we need to implement in order to not have that big turn in, in the child's life to where we're setting them up for responsibility and not overcompensating in the beginning for that hard turn towards that point where we have to set them free and they go up and then grow up on their own. So great question again. Uh, and, and let me start with a bit of a statistic for you guys. 70 plus percent, and we'll just keep it with, with culturally with, with black people, of women that are parents are single parents. Think about that for a second. 
the second piece to that in, in terms of, well, let me back up a second again. The other thing I believe is directly impacted by the question you just asked as my 13 year old, he's living a different life than me and his father lived. My wife comes from a much, much better circumstance than what I come from and what his dad comes from. So everything that we can possibly do, and I know that this is one of the, again, I didn't have the balance of mom and dad, so the imbalance has to manifest itself. I, I, I think I do too much sometimes. And knowing all the things I didn't have as a kid, I try to make sure that my kids have all of that and more. But then I have to look back and be like, well, dang, you didn't have any of these things, but you didn't realize you didn't have any of those things until somebody told you. So now it's like, I look at my, my 13 year old and I'm like, man, there's some childish behaviors you still got at 13. I couldn't do that. I couldn't act this way. I had a little sister too. I was responsible for my little sister. I was watching my little sister at home consistently at like 11, 12 years old. Before that, you know, my brother was still around, but when he got a little older and wasn't there, it was me. I was, I now became the dad babysitter. And I feel like I've, because we overcompensate, it's done him a disservice where his level of maturity isn't there. But I always justified it like, man, I don't mind that you're a little green because I would rather be dealing with hygiene issues than you sneaking around trying to get somebody pregnant. So there, there's this dynamic dealing with a child already that exists, but then when it's not your child, you're trying to do things, you're trying to toe this line to do it the right way, it's even harder. But what I would say is number one, before you get into any relationship, I don't care what the relationship is, a friendship, a uh, 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 significant other relationship, make sure you have a good idea, inclination, understanding of who you are. If I understand who I am, it's less likely for somebody else to be able to shift me to another person or another version of myself that may not be the best. It may be damaging to me, but it may fulfill what they need. That's number one. Number two, when you're dealing with a situation where there's a child involved in a relationship with another parent, the first thing I would suggest is understanding that the relationship with children is always going to be easy. And I mentioned this on the last episode, part one of this, the child adult relationship is the easiest relationship to cultivate because kids are easy. Kids are simple. They're selfish. They're all about what they can get in the moment. And that's kids. And that's kind of how they're supposed to be because they don't understand the value of independence until they start to age up. But understanding that the other people involved, the adults are what are going to make that a challenging situation. Understanding the person that you're with, knowing what their character is about. So if they're like me and say, hey, you got a kid, we can't do this. I'm gonna go ahead and step over here. That's a character thing because it was understood from you what she was on. You got to understand what the person that you're going to spend time with and give of yourself and then give back what they're about for real, for real. And then as a result, you have to extend the olive branch. And I'm going to stop there. You have to extend the olive branch to that other parent. You don't have to force it. You don't have to chase them down trying to be buddies and all of that stuff. You ain't got to think like every time we get together and that's not realistic. 
but it is a responsibility to extend the olive branch. If the person doesn't reach back, then you understand what you're dealing with. And then also, whatever it is that you live by as your code of ethics inside of your home, the level that your moral bar has been raised to, that can't be impacted by outside forces. And this is the challenge. This is the tough part. If the outside forces in my situation challenged my, my moral compass, my code of ethics to an extreme level, then my wife and I's relationship would be in jeopardy. And that's just being honest, because if, if this is going to force me to be something other than what I am and start to change my value system, I can't accept that because if I do, I'm not even being authentic Joel anymore. I'm literally just in this to hold on to you. And, and I talked about it again on the show. I've recently been working with a therapist, a, a coach, and it's been fantastic. And one of the things that we talk about is it's not your job to make somebody else happy. And it's not their job to make you happy. So putting all that together, tying it up with a nice little bow, you've got to have a level of fortitude that you're not willing to back down from if your goal is to be the best version of yourself. If you're trying to do the right things, stand firm in it. If you know you want some BS, then there's room and there's opportunities for anything to happen. <laughs> so try your best to stay clear of being on that side. Focus on developing yourself, getting better, being the best version of yourself and understanding that when children are involved, you are now, like Charles Barkley said, but on the opposite, he's not a role model. You are a role model. You are an authority figure. You are an example. And the things that you do, they're going to pick up on them and they're going to start doing them. Like my 13-year-old, I'd be looking, I'm like, man, if people saw us just randomly and didn't know the dynamic, they would think that this is my child because a lot of the stuff I do, he does it. The way I talk, mannerisms, the way I act, he's implemented all of that with a hint of TikTok and Snapchat in there. <laughs> I love that, man. I think that that's great. And you, um, you know, I applaud you for being open about having a therapist and having a coach and just somebody to talk to. I would say that that's one thing that that should continue, right? So we talk about premarital counseling. And actually, one of my friends, man, I think it was like two years ago, as, um, you know, I know we're at times, so I want to bring it at a close, but about two years ago, one of my friends reached out and they were like, hey, you know, I'm about to go on this journey. I'm about to get married. And I was like, man, that's amazing. Congratulations. Um, but he was like, hey, you got any tips for me? Any advice? I'm like, well, are you doing premarital counseling? He's like, yeah, yeah, we just uh, found one and I'm excited to start that process. I said, that's great, man. I feel like that was beneficial for me. But one thing that I would say from a mistake level and it's not like saying that it was a bad thing at the time but one thing i wish we would have kept doing was to keep it going right so like okay what you gonna do like you just talk to somebody to make sure that you're ready to be married and then that's it you don't talk to nobody y'all should talk together right and and continue to have those types of conversations because things come up um we talked about the impact to the pandemic like some people are like oh hold on i get to be around you like this well, I don't want to divorce, break up. Yes. Or some people are saying, well, you know what? Uh, I wasn't around you like this and I kind of like it. 
let's get married, you know? So it's a lot of that going on, but uh, what are you going to do to continue to fuel that? It makes no sense to have um, those types of conversations to say, yeah, you know what? We're good. Let's get married. But then you're not having those conversations consistently throughout the process. So that's one thing that I add. Is there anything else that you would add? <laughs> this has been a great session, Joel. I know I hit you with some questions. It kind of probably felt like I was interviewing you, but I appreciate it. Um, one thing I will say, um, when we were talking about overcompensating, I feel like we do that more to sons than we do to daughters, especially the moms. Like Whether it be if you're married or not, it's just something about I don't know, maybe it's the dynamic that we taught that the girl is supposed to cook, clean, and do all of that, and then the son doesn't do much. So I think that would be something to implement if, if they see their father doing stuff around the house or even teaching them at a young age that what they're supposed to do. I think that's a good point. I just now thought about it, too, um, and especially from a son perspective. Because if the father's not present or is a single mom, then the mom is doing most of those, what you may call like some of those like activities where it's like cooking, cleaning, and the son's not picking up unless the mom is pretty much working all the time and he has to do those things and take the step. But from your perspective, the mom is like, well, the son end up being like the boyfriend right yep. you know so it's, it's like yep. so that's the man of the house and, and i want to treat you like a man so i'm going to step it up and then what ends up happening is these boys turn to men and they start to look for women that are doing those things that are going to take care of them like their mom did and they don't know how to step up because of all of that overcompensation so it's just a trickle down effect and a generational curse that continues to hand down or you have these men that are not able to step up and they are looking for successful women that are going to school, going to get their master's degree, maybe working two jobs while he's out there getting another woman pregnant and then coming back and then asking if you still want to be with them. Ain't that your thought process, Meech? Yes. There you I, go. I agree. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'll say this because we all know with every yin, there's a yang. The interesting part about that is I'll start with the guys first. That same boy that just became boyfriend son, mom also will chin check him in front of his friends, whether it's physically, verbally. So now this boy, young man, teenager, whatever, is confused. And I joke about this a lot, but also I'm dead serious. I look at a lot of the dudes who are considered to be the tough guys, the thugs in the neighborhood, and they're very emotional. And I believe a lot of the reason is connected directly to that is, you know, I'm lifting you up telling you, you got to be the man of the house, you the man, this, you, you got to do these things, you got to do this, you got to go out here. But then when you do something mom don't like, and she come out to where you at with your homies, and she punks you in front of your homies, now how do you look in front of them? So now you've got this emotional conflict inside of you. You don't know how to act. So now somebody step on your shoes at the club, now you want to fight. Somebody look at you wrong on the street or say something or flip you the bird on the road, you want to shoot them. 
So there's there's multiple impacts from that concept. But then on the flip side of that, yes, I do believe that there is an overcompensation for young dudes. But I believe on the on you know dealing with young women, there's not a whole lot of accountability that's always being placed at their foot. So there's this expectation that the Disney world is a real thing. This man is going to come into your life and he's going to sweep you off your feet. You don't have to bring anything to the table. He's going to take care of you. He's going to be awesome. Put you up on this pedestal. But then when this dude realizes, wait a minute, you're pulling me down more than you're lifting me up. So why am I going to be here? Let me move on over here. And now there's this negative connotation that, you know, this dude or dudes don't ain't into you because whatever reason it's it's such a strange dynamic that we're in right now where you do have dudes who are emotionally impacted you have women who are emotionally impacted and they're not getting the help that they need to heal themselves so now you get a bunch of talking points on both sides of the fence where both sides are talking about what the other isn't doing and what they ain't bringing to the table when in reality nobody's really just focusing on becoming the best version of themselves nobody is holding themselves accountable and even worse nobody else is holding you accountable so that's why i loved why i was so hype uh Mitch, when you said what you said in in the conversation about if finn had a child or not that's why i like that part so much because there's a level of accountability and even when you flip the question back on him, like, if that were me, how would you feel? If you're not being accountable for your behaviors, your decisions, your choices, then what right do you have to talk about what somebody is or is not capable of? So that's where I'm at right now. Is There's blame to be looked at on both sides when we talk about the step-parent, even the fact mm-hmm. that step-parents exist. It's blame on both sides. But if we can start dealing with individuals or individuals can start dealing with themselves, then maybe some of this stuff goes away. And it's not as big of an issue as we have today. Because right now, understanding what the YouTube and the social media world and all these content creators, if you go and you look, you'll see the most ridiculous conversations happening that have hundreds of thousands of millions of subscribers and views, shares, comments. And you're like, oh my God, what are y'all talking about? So mm-hmm. it, it definitely starts when you get to that point where you've kind of woken up and I'm not talking about being woke, but when you've woken up and recognize, Hey, I'm tripping. I need to be better. Again, it becomes your responsibility to share that with the people that are closest to you, that you have a relationship with. You can't lead a horse to water. You can bring the water to the horses. If they decide to drink awesome. If they don't, you still done your job. I love it. Hopefully this was a great experience for you, Meech. It was definitely a great experience for myself. I know that Joel already said that he's thankful. Um, I think him learning more about me and, and from the other perspective as well is <laughs> also great. Um, but I do feel like we need to bring you back because we uncovered so many different topics mm-hmm. and would love to get your perspective and your thought process. Joel, you are speaking the truth around um the disney complex that ends up happening and i would love to dig into that in a future episode but we we gave them too much so we got to put a pause on <laughs> yeah, it for right did. now and um um if you could um just really quickly say uh you want to say anything to the people uh, say go ahead 
I will say that I have enjoyed this. Dwayne has probably been asking me to be on here for how long? Um, almost a year and a half. For quite some time, so I'm <laughs> glad that I was able to join. It was enlightening conversation. Um, I learned some things too, um, even though I'm not that stepmom, but I have friends that are. Maybe they'll listen and learn something. They'll probably learn something about me because they probably did not know that story about Dwayne having that child on the way in my reaction. So it'll be interesting to get some feedback on that. Yeah. Let's just act like a listener gave this feedback <laughs> and, and they wanted to know. So, hey, y'all are in your marriage right now and everything seems to be going well. What if uh, Dwayne came up with a child right now? What would you say? You want to know that answer? You'll find out at the next one. Listen, that was a great episode. And really, big thank you to my one and only, Meech. Thank you for joining. We appreciate your perspective. This is what this conversation is about. Only to push the perspective, push the conversation to gain more perspective. Big shout out to Joel for asking the tough questions and opening up his book and talking about his own experiences. Please, do me a favor. Share the podcast with your friends and frenemies. Whether it's news, entertainment, or health, everybody's dosing something. Come and get yours at the Wild D Podcast. Till next time.